Hollow Mountain Publishing presents My Castle, Book Two of the Appalachian Storm series, written and performed by Diana Kilpack. Chapter 29, Pure Heat. Can you guys give me more information on the wolves that attacked and bit me? Katie asked with her thoughts. She was lying on a blanket next to the broken bed, still unable to move a muscle. How much do you know already? Jackson asked cautiously. You told me their bite was poisonous. Mom and Candy told me the bites were like a snake. The first bite is the most potent. I was bitten five times by five different wolves with their first bite. You received this information from Tyler, and there were some herbs that can stop the poison from spreading. But you guys didn't think the herbs would help because I was bitten so many times. That's pretty good, David said. Here we thought you couldn't hear us. I don't think I could hear you all the time. But focusing on someone talking made the pain more bearable, Katie explained. I would lose myself when I was alone. That's why you asked me to sleep with you, Jackson said, so you wouldn't be alone. Don't worry, Katie, David said. Now that we know, you won't be alone again. I'll take the next watch. I've already got that job covered, jerk face, Jackson said with an odd tone in his voice. Wolves! Katie interrupted with her thoughts before the two could start arguing again. There was a pause. Katie wondered if they were communicating where she couldn't hear. She waited patiently, then reached out with her thoughts. Zach, Cluxy, can you come find me and give me the information that Jared and David can't seem to tell me? Katie, is that you? Zach immediately answered back. Yes, you can talk. Cluxy's exclamation did little to hide Zack's woo-hoo that could be heard all the way into the cave from inside the house. The sheriff and a whole bunch of other people are looking around through the house, Katie, Zack explained. We can't come down there until after they leave. Isn't there another entrance to the cave? Katie asked thoughtfully. Don't worry, Katie. We'll find it. There's another entrance to this cave, Jackson asked from the outside. Katie didn't say anything. You're not going to talk to me? Jackson's voice sounded a little hurt. What are you not telling me about the wolves, Katie asked. If I have to get every pure heart and seeker down here, I will until I'm told what you two are not telling me, David sighed. Katie. There's still a chance you'll turn into one of them. A very small chance, Jackson shot back. We don't know that much about it. Or if you're out of the woods, David tried to explain. Katie has a right to know, Jackson interrupted. Then she has the chance to fight. Not knowing may make her lose the battle. Fine, David said, with a little more heat than necessary. The wolves are a lot like the werewolves in horror flicks. When they bite you, you turn into one of them. Apparently, you will make the complete change on the next full moon. 
From what we can tell from Tyler's papers, Jackson inserted, they used to only change one night of the month on the full moon, but someone decided to mix pure heart blood into their system. Now, they can change any night they want to, but they are strongest on the full moon. When they are in wolf form, they do not have their own thoughts. They are just mindless drones set out to accomplish a task, David finished. It takes a month for the venom to build up into their system, so they can multiply by two, maybe three times each month. They are hard to kill, and since they have no thought for their own safety, they are more dangerous, Jackson explained. Since everyone is fighting with their mouths, the chances of being bit climb dramatically. They cannot communicate with their thoughts, Katie said. How do you know this? Jackson asked. When they were chasing me and I changed course, their only form of communicating was howling. That was not in the paperwork. David's voice sounded excited. I've tried communicating with my mind. It was completely blocked. I used the animal spirit's heat to project. It felt like my insides were on fire. The heat may have burned the poison in your system, David said with hope. It's a good thing I was angry with you then, wasn't it? I couldn't stand lying there without telling you what I thought. Pain or no pain? Jackson chuckled. David sighed. I'm sorry, Katie. You're right. I was acting like a total jerk. I'm glad to see you admit it. How did Sandy actually die? David cleared his throat. The wolves attacked the hawk home, and everyone ran. How many wolves attacked? Three. How many pure hearts were in the home? David sighed. Seven. Katie couldn't believe what she was hearing. The wolves were not that large, David. I know. I saw them. It appears the pure hearts had a mentality of everyone out for themselves. Jackson inserted. All three went after Sandy and hunted her down till she couldn't run anymore. Do you have to give her every detail? David interrupted. Yes! They literally tore her apart. Jackson finished. It was hard to find enough of her to send her home to her family. Anger built up into her system. She welcomed the heat as it scorched her insides. The waste of a human being made her feel sick to her stomach. Those pure hearts who ran like cowards need to be split up and taken away from Lizzie's control. There's still not enough proof Lizzie is responsible for Sandy's death, David said. His voice sounded uneasy. Not enough proof? The heat enveloping her in waves. There's enough proof she's not teaching them. There's enough proof they're not a united force. There's enough proof that each one of them are so damn selfish they allow one of their own to be torn apart. Katie was so angry she immediately sat up. Turning, she faced David. I want those pure hearts under my command, David. They need to be taught before any more of them die needlessly. The heat enveloped her and she transformed into a wolf. I will not take no for an answer. Jackson and David stared at her, surprise registering on their faces. Katie looked from one to the other. What are you two waiting for? Let's go get those pure hearts. Grinning, Jackson jumped up. All we had to do was get Katie pissed. He shrugged. How come we never thought of that? 
David got up slowly. Why is it she's always pissed at me? Because you're the butthead that won't listen to me, Katie said with her thoughts. She looked around. I'm going to need my clothes. She stopped, staring at David for a minute. I wonder if you can see all my projections. He looked back, obviously not understanding what she was getting at. Katie decided to give him a heads up. David, I'm going to change into human form. If you can't see my clothes, I'll change back. David put his hands on his hips. It's not going to work, Katie. I've tried repeatedly to see projections. Jackson snorted. It's such a hardship to see Katie naked. David looked over at Jackson and grinned. I am human. Katie felt her face getting red. Before she could change her mind, she changed into human form, her clothes automatically covering her body. David looked at her. Katie couldn't handle the suspense. Am I naked? David grinned. Nope. I see clothes. Katie smiled, then became suspicious. What color is my shirt? Pink. Katie immediately changed back into wolf form. It is not pink, David laughed. Okay, it was blue. Katie changed back into human form. You can see my projections, David Black. David rubbed his hands through his hair. It's about time. I can't stand seeing everyone naked around me. He looked at Jackson. You're still naked. Jackson's eyebrows rose. You still can't see my projections, but you can see Katie's. He turned to her. What are you doing differently? I don't know, Katie sighed. The problem from the very beginning is, we don't know what the hell is going on. David and Jackson looked at each other, grinning. It's good to have you back, Jackson said. Katie reached out with her thoughts. Zach and Cluxy, take my car and meet me at the highway. We can't do that, Zach said. Katie frowned. Is something wrong with my car? The sheriff. That was the first thing they took. Katie sighed and rubbed her eyebrows. Okay, get Jackson's car and meet me on the highway. Katie, David began. The pure hearts are probably not going to want to move. Katie nodded and turned towards the cave. I know. Entering the wet part of the cave, Katie acted on instinct till she approached an iron gate. Seeing the brand new chain and combination lock, she shook the lock with frustration. Reaching out with her thoughts, Candy, are you near Reginald? Yes, I am, came the surprised reply. Can you ask him how to get out of the cave? It seems to be locked. The combination is my birthday, came Candy's quick reply. Are you up and around, Katie? Yes, I am. We're on our way to get the pure hearts out of Lizzie's control. The pure hearts that live there have some pretty strong feelings against seekers and you. David seems to think the same way. I'm taking them whether they want to go or not. She turned to David. Do you know Candy's birthday? He gave her a quick nod. Stepping up, he uttered the numbers while turning the combination. Katie quickly memorized them, knowing Jackson was doing the same. Coming out of the cave, Katie looked around to get her bearings. Transforming into a wolf, she struck out towards the highway. Jackson, can you make sure 20 seekers come to the hawk home? What are you planning on doing? I'm just thinking if they're afraid of three measly wolves, they should be terrified of 20 seekers showing up on their doorstep. David sighed. 
I hope you know what you're doing. Otherwise, the fallout is going to reverberate throughout the mountain. Yes, well, at least they won't be dead. Well, girls, look at this. The slut has finally decided to wake up. Lizzie's voice could be heard through the open windows. Jackson immediately gave Katie a warning glance, his face set in a frown. Katie glanced over at Zack and Cluxy. They had both stopped in mid-stride, staring at the house in surprise. David seemed to be the only one not astonished by the hatred flowing from Lizzie's lips. She's not even trying to hide her hatred. Jackson said to her privately, Are the seekers on their way? They're already in the woods watching and listening to what's being said, Jackson said. They are not happy with what they've heard so far. Katie nodded. Direct them to surround the house so they can be seen. She stepped up to knock on the door when Zack immediately stepped in front of her. They know we're here. We're not going to knock. Cluxy opened the door and Zack stepped in first, followed by Katie. She walked into the kitchen, giving Mary Black a friendly wave when she faced the six girls. Get your stuff. All of you except for Lizzie are coming with me, she announced. The immediate protests were deafening. Zack folded his arms, getting that wild look in his eyes. Cluxy stepped in front of Katie, blocking her view. A little annoyed by her overprotective bodyguards, Katie stepped through the small opening between them and pushed them out of the way. We're not going anywhere with you, whore! A dark-haired girl stood up. The response from outside was immediate. As the seekers let loose, the girls immediately looked out the window with frightened faces. Why are they here? A blonde-haired girl asked in a scared voice. They are here to make sure you get your things in a timely manner, Katie said, looking up at the clock on the wall. Everyone is leaving this premises in five minutes. I suggest you start packing. Why do we have to leave? A girl shouted. Anger shot through Katie. You ran away and allowed a friend of yours to be ripped to pieces. We have rights. We should be able to stay anywhere we want. Katie turned to the girl who spoke. You lost your rights when you ran like a coward. She looked at the clock. Four minutes. I suggest you get packing. We don't follow you or the great white loser. The dark-haired girl snapped. David put his hands on his hips and straightened his shoulders, but did not comment. Katie's anger was simmering and reached out with the projection. She wrapped ropes around the girl's legs and wrists. The second the ropes coiled around the girl, she started screaming and fighting. Katie pulled tight on the cords with her mind, pulling her towards the door. Jackson opened the door, stepping out of the way. The girl was dragged out into the yard and into the hands of the seekers. Katie glanced at the clock. Three minutes, I suggest you get packing. Crying hysterically, the rest of the girls jumped up and started throwing their things together. Katie gave them a little more time than the five minutes she first demanded. They had all assembled together, sobbing like a bunch of babies. She asked them, if any of them packed items for their friend in the yard, they shook their heads. Katie's rage went into overdrive. 
You call yourself pure hearts? You are the lowest scum I have ever seen! She was screaming with her mind and voice, causing her words to amplify. You are supposed to take care of each other! That means not running around like a bunch of cowards! When there is an attack! She pointed at the trembling pure hearts. Get your butt upstairs and get your friend's things! Katie waited patiently as another five minutes went by. When they finally assembled their things into Jackson's SUV, one of the girls turned to her. There's not enough room in the car for us. You're not riding in the car, Katie commented. Turning to the Seekers, she divided five Seekers to every one girl. The Seekers gave her a salute and surrounded each girl. The crying reached a whole new level. She shook her head, annoyed at all the noise. Each of you Seekers is responsible for teaching the pure heart you have what they need to know to survive. You are to keep them separated from each other, but they can interact with the other pure hearts. Are there any questions? The Seekers saluted her, changing into animal form, left with the crying pure hearts. Katie turned around and saw Lizzie standing on the porch watching the last of the pure hearts enter the woods. That was quite a show. Katie ignored her once best friend. Turning back around, she headed towards Jackson's SUV. She heard a strangled sound behind her. Quickly turning around, she saw Zack and Clexi on the ground gasping for breath. Reacting without thinking, Katie projected a protective barrier around her two bodyguards. Immediately, they stood up, facing Lizzie. She didn't have to look at Zack to know the wild look was back in his eyes. You will listen when I'm talking to you. Katie raised her eyebrows. I'm listening. What do you expect me to do without any pure hearts to take care of? Lizzie asked her face showing no emotion. Katie folded her arms. You call, allowing one of your pure hearts to get ripped to pieces being taken care of? Lizzie stepped off the porch. The great white tiger lost 11 pure hearts. I don't see you taking his charges away. His name is David Black. You know, Sam's older brother. Katie couldn't resist reminding her. Lizzie lost her composure for just a second before the smooth facade was back on her features. I'm not the one who has forgotten, who's responsible for Sam's death. I see you even have her brother standing next to the murderer. It was obvious. Jackson and David chaffed at Lizzie's words. Katie rubbed her hands through her hair in frustration. Look. Are you going to just talk about things that don't mean crap? Or are you going to say something worthwhile? Where's Tyler? Katie glanced up, startled. What? Tyler, you know, the boyfriend you stole from me? Lizzie's voice held an edge to it. Katie sighed. I don't know where Tyler is. Yes, you do. Katie wondered where Lizzie was leading to. I haven't talked to Tyler since you left. Let me get this right. Lizzie stepped closer. You had sex with him to take him away from me 
Then you dubbed him for who? David, and then Jackson. Get to your point, Lizzie. I'm growing tired of your insinuations. Your mom just had to tell mine how upset she was finding Tyler in your bed. How shall I explain it? All of your assets exposed. Katie was immediately conscious of David standing next to her, listening attentively to every word. She could feel her face getting hot, shrugging, trying to sound nonchalant. Get to the point, Lizzie. I'm getting bored. Lizzie smiled coyly. Let's talk about the night the malice attacked. She raised her palms up. We all heard you scream Jackson's name. She cocked her head to one side. Jackson must have been awful close for you to scream his name, or were you just screaming his name in the throes of passion? Katie could feel the heat rising in her chest. Get to your point. I'm just saying. Guys seem to be caught red-handed in your bed on a regular basis. Lizzie shrugged. I can see where all the loyalty really comes from. She eyed Zach and Cluxy with a knowing look. Katie had heard enough. Turning around, she headed for Jackson's SUV. I've heard your crap, and now I'm going home. She crawled into the passenger seat. Her face beat red. She gave David a quick glance. What she saw made her nervous. He had a thoughtful frown on his face. She knew him so well, and knew exactly what he was thinking. He was putting two and two together and coming up with five. She could feel Jackson's eyes resting on her before turning on the vehicle and pulling away. She kept her eyes averted out the window. She thought she was prepared seeing Lizzie face to face. She realized she wasn't ready at all. There was still a part of her that cared for her once best friend. She shook her head. Once you care for a person, does the feeling ever truly go away? It bothered her. She cared what David thought of her. She fought the feeling to turn around and explain away every ugly, insinuating charge to her. She was afraid if she did, it would make her look guilty. If she didn't, it would still make her look guilty. There was nothing she could do about it. She decided. The snakes let loose by Lizzie's malice were wiggling their way between her and David. She sighed. How she wished she had Sam here to tell her how to handle this situation. Katie lay on her own bed. Thinking about the day's events, she stared at the dark ceiling, not really seeing anything. Her emotions had gone through a roller coaster. Closing her eyes, she tried relaxing. Hello, is anyone there? Katie opened her eyes. I'm here. She automatically said with her thoughts, "Oh, good, you can hear me. I don't know exactly how I can communicate with you, but a week ago I turned into an animal. To tell you the truth." I'm completely freaked out about it. Katie closed her eyes. A week. She's been completely immobilized for a week. A whole new batch of pure hearts had changed, and no one had guided them here. It's okay. There are others just like you. I've got this, Katie. 
David's thought rang with authority. Anyone out there who changed into a were-animal, it is dangerous for you to be on your own. Come to us. We reside in Lexus, Tennessee. Ask anyone in town where the Black family lives. They will direct you. Katie felt rather than saw a movement. Glancing in that direction, she saw Jackson softly walking through the secret passageway. Closing the small opening, he quietly stood above her. I don't know why I'm here, he said softly. I can feel your troubled emotions and... He paused, cussing under his breath. Let me start again. Why I'm here is completely selfish. I don't want to be anywhere else, but right here beside you. Katie scooted over, allowing him to crawl in beside her. He laid down, gathering her in his arms, holding her tight. Finally, at peace, she closed her eyes and fell asleep. Hi, this is Diana Kilpack. If you are enjoying this series and would like to help support it, I have created a pod fan and Patreon account where you can donate. The best thing you can do is tell your friends and family about this series and let them participate. Until next week, when our imaginations meet again, have a great day.